Hello, everyone. My name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about our political and societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker, as anyone suggest. Happy Thursday. Hopefully, you guys are getting ready for your weekend, spending time with your family, friends, watching the city open as well. There's a little bit of news that we can get into. In terms of news outside of the tennis world, we can discuss Dane Cook. Um, engaged to his longtime girlfriend who is 23 years old, uh, same age as I am, actually same birthday as I am. And I'll discuss that, uh, Dane Cook being engaged. Uh, we can also discuss the Dolphins trying to lose games on purpose, on purpose, porpoise. Uh, yeah, we can discuss that. My bad, that was a bad pun. Uh, but we can also discuss the Dolphins losing games on purpose and getting in trouble with tampering in terms of getting Tom Brady on their team. So we will discuss that. We can also discuss Deshaun Watson being suspended for six games after 30 sexual assault accusations. So very football-heavy. It's been a, quite some time since I actually discussed football in this much detail. I, I think it was like last year, earlier, earlier part of this past year. Last year, earlier part of that last year. Uh, where I discussed the Super Bowl and whatnot, but we'll discuss that Deshaun Watson being suspended for six games after 30 sexual assault accusations. But where we'll lead off for today will be tennis-related news, and that is Nick Kyrgios is out for the Labor Cup. If you guys don't know, Nick Kyrgios posted, I assume, a story or I assume a post about this saying no labor cup for me this year just letting you all know gotta have that home time with my family and beautiful girlfriend uh, heart emoji heart emoji plus uh, wave emoji and um, this was after or on the same day that nick heroes won against uh giron christian giron uh at city open 6362 so Quite eventful day, quite an eventful day for Nick Kyrgios as he won, but also gave some news to to the dismay of his fans and to the tennis world. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I don't mind Nick Kyrgios dropping out of the Labor Cup. I mean, I think at this moment in time, what we can all admit is that the Labor Cup, you know, it's a fun tournament. I'm not going to lie. It's a very, very fun tournament. And a lot of people put in their A game during this tournament. I'm not going to lie. A lot of people put in a lot of effort and work into it. And in my opinion, it has replaced the ATP Davis Cup. It's replaced that. It's replaced that because now you have essentially Team Euro versus Team World instead of everything being divided by country. And I feel like the star power that you find at Team Europe versus Team World, I feel like that in and of itself draws enough people to watch the product compared to, say, it being divided by country. And the Davis Cup used to mean a lot. It used to mean a lot for a lot of players. I mean, back in the 80s and 90s and even part of the 2000s, I would say, you know, the Davis Cup really, I mean, you could really consider it like a, like the fifth undeclared major, if you will. You know, I mean, that's how people used to prepare for the Davis Cup. You know, the Davis Cup used to be one of those things where, you know, people would actually really be invested in it. And, you know, maybe it's because of hometown bias and whatnot and hometown pride. And obviously, you know, tennis back in the day was still, for Americans, still very gung-ho about, okay, the person has to be American. Who, whoever wins has to be American. And I feel like because of the advent of social media and because of, the popularity of Federer and Nadal, I feel like it's made it so that it doesn't really matter if he's American or not. In my opinion, if American wins a Grand Slam, that's great. But at the end of the day, what really matters is if it, if he's likable. You know, if he's a person that, you know, is a star. And for me, like when I see Federer and Nadal, they're stars. You know, when I see Nick Kyrgios, whether or not you like him or not, you know, he does bring that quality out of people to watch it. So back in the day, the Davis Cup used to be a very, very big, very, very popular thing. But ever since the advent of social media, and I feel like tennis in and of itself, it sort of made it so that so that it didn't really matter as much as it used to. And you've seen the popularity decrease as a result of it. And that, that all that is to say that the Labor Cup has now taken its, its prize, and it's now essentially replaced the Davis Cup. And part of it's because of the fact the players now prioritize the Labor Cup over, say, the Davis Cup. You know, when you saw Roger Federer win the Davis Cup 10, 11 years ago, you know, he was interviewed right afterward, afterwards and said, yeah, this win is more for the boys than for me. And I felt like that was a guilt of admission where players, especially in that top 
seating, sort of realized that, yeah, this doesn't really matter as much. That's how I took it. So now with the Labor Cup being in Basel, and now seeing Federer and seeing Djokovic, I assume, playing, and uh, as well as Nadal, Zero, Sitsipas, I mean, Team World's going to win. Let, let me, let's, let's be quite honest here. Team World is going to win. I mean, they're going to win in a dominant fashion. They may, I mean, Team, team World might, I mean, sorry, Team Europe is going to win. Team World may have its FAAs. It may have uh, the, uh, you know, tennis sangrins of the world. You know, may have uh, all those players, you know. No no hate on tennis sangrin. But, but at the end of the day, Team World's going to win. They're going to dominate them. Um, and it's not going to change anytime soon unless they change the way the teams are structured. Um, you know, if it's Team Federer versus Team Nadal, and, you know, both players get to get a pick as to who's on their team, I think that would be a lot more enjoyable, I would say. I think that would be a much more watchable product. Now, if they treated it like, like the draft, they had like a, like a Labor Cup draft where they each pick five players, like sort of like how you would do for like kickball, like where you like pick players. Like I, I think that would work out. I really do think it would work out. But again, uh, I feel like the Labor Cup, I still think the Labor Cup is a good product, but they do need to change the way the teams are made. I, I do think that is should be the case. Otherwise, we're going to see this product continue on until Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic retire. You know, we're going to see these three individuals just beat the living crap out of team world. And uh, it's it's not going to be a pretty sight to see. You know, in, in, in terms of Nick Kyrgios, because, you know, Nick Kyrgios, getting back into the swing of things, you know, he is the individual that is uh, not competing this year. I mean, Nick Kyrgios uh, very much cares about the Labor Cup. I mean, I've seen behind-the-scenes documentaries and footage where Nick Kyrgios was walking through the streets of Chicago with Roger Federer saying how much this tournament really means to him. And I, I would like to think that it really does. And evidence proves that it, it does really show you that Nick Kyrgios does care about this tournament. I remember three, four years ago, I think where Nick Kyrgios played against Roger Federer in a tie break and lost to him at the Labor Cup. And Nick Kyrgios was so crestfallen about it that he was being consoled by, you know, Denis Shapovalov and, and all those other individuals that are a part of Team World at that time. And I, I was looking at that. And I was like, wow, like, Nick Kyrgios really does care about the Labor Cup. And it's good, I think. The more legitimacy the Labor Cup has, the more the better it is for individuals to really look at the Labor Cup as as a good representation of what this sport can actually be for the casual viewer. Because the Labor Cup, in my opinion, is the best tournament to watch if you're a new viewer of the sport. And I think the Labor Cup could be better if they just had Federer and Nadal or Nadal and Djokovic or Pick two captains, whatever captains you want to pick. Make those the two captains and let them pick their player for their team. I think that would be a lot better, and I think that it, would, it would have an equal parity for that tournament. You know, for Federer, maybe Sitsipas. Maybe, uh, I don't know if him and Djokovic have the best rapport with one another. I've heard slight reports that they don't really get along as much as, say, Nadal and Djokovic, but... Let's say Federer, you may pick Sitsipas. He's going to pick, you might pick Berrettini. He might pick Andrei Rublev or Medvedev. I mean, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that there is some form of a competitive competitiveness between these two teams. And I feel like you don't really find that with Team World and Team Europe. So I just think they need to change that. Uh, but yeah, in, in terms of going back to what Nick Kyrgios said, I mean, Nick Kyrgios, I think right now... Is that is having a bit of a hot streak right now? I mean, he recently won the City Open match against Giron. Uh The last point was decided on him asking an audience member where to serve. Uh, he recently reached the Wimbledon final despite not playing Nadal at the semifinal. Uh, he's had a bit of a hot streak lately, and that's a great thing to see. I, I really do think that you know seeing Nick Kyrgios get the fruits of his labor, and you know after years and years of of just mediocrity just getting over the hump being able to face Djokovic I think that's a great thing I really do and more importantly you know 
I remember I was discussing uh, Nick Kyrgios roughly around this time last year. Uh, I think he lost to Mackenzie McDonald or something like that last year at the City Open. And I was just being like, hey, if he wants to play video games, make him play video games. It's fine if he doesn't want to play tennis. Uh, but thankfully, thankfully for Nick Kyrgios, he sort of had a change of heart. And he's now been a different player. He's now been a different player. And he's played in a, in a way that I, for one, am completely astounded by. You know, and, and you know, it's, it's, I'm happy to say that he's proved me wrong. You know, I'm happy to say that he's changed as a person or that I like to think, think that he's changed as a, as a person. In terms of tennis, I don't know about his personal life, but in terms of tennis, you know, he's definitely changed. And he's being a better player. He's getting better. Uh, it, it's great. And um, I, for one, I'm excited for him. I really am. Um, you know, for the U.S. Open, I, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult for him to reach the final. Uh, because you still have you have the now additions of Andrei Rublev and uh, Daniil Medvedev. Uh, even though Novak Djokovic may, not, is not scheduled to play because of the vaccine, I still think you have those two individuals that will cause some trouble for Nick Kyrgios. You also have Matteo Berrettini, who's a great you know server, great serve ball kind of player. So you're going to have a lot of individuals that will give... Nick Kyrgios will run for his money. You know, you also have Carlos Alcaraz, who had a great Cinderella, Cinderella run last year against Stefano Tsitsipas, beating him on that Friday night. You know, the first week of the U.S. Open, beating him on a Friday is is crazy. It's absolutely crazy to see that. Uh, so, I, for one, am excited for Nick Kyrgios uh, in, at this U.S. Open. I really am. And hopefully he's able to, you know, reach that heights that he had at the Wimbledon uh, this past Wimbledon. But uh, if he doesn't, then it's it's fine as well. I mean, I, I I realize that, you know, these players, you know, you can only expect so much out of them, you know. So he is in his late 20s. So uh, it's the verdict still is there as to whether or not he'll win a major. Um, but as of this moment in time, I am excited to see what's next for Nikirios when it comes to his tennis career. All right. So I sort of ran that topic. I sort of discussed that topic. Um, and, you know, I think that's it for the tennis news for today. Obviously, the City Open's happening. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's weird for me to discuss tennis tennis matches that happened previously or yesterday uh, because I'm releasing this on a Thursday. And by then, it'll be two days since that match happened. So for me to discuss a tennis match in its entirety... After two days of watching a tennis match, it's it's not gonna work. It's it's, it's just not gonna work. The, the YouTube thing is not gonna work out if if that's the case. So also uh, for my main channel, I've decided that I will upload shorts uh, and and whatnot. Uh, YouTube is changing, and I realized that the uh, the model of having a podcast channel and a clips channel is not the best way to go about things. The best way to go about things is to make daily uploads on one channel and include shorts and whatnot because now youtube is sort of incorporating shorts as their new thing so i've realized that that is the better plan to go forward than just say posting clips and and whatnot you know clips are still good but i feel like now it's sort of shifted where youtube now prioritizes having only one channel and basically just spamming people daily and consistently and constantly with uploads um that's sort of how you grow your channel now as opposed to say the former which is a clips channel and a podcast channel when i originally started the clips channel i was like okay you know what i'll do the joe rogan thing i'll put the po- the full episode on my podcast channel make certain clips of it bite-sized content on my clips channel but it's changed now youtube has changed you know they're very much incorporating youtube shorts they're trying to uh, compete with tiktok and instagram reels and it seems like they're going to win. It seems like they're going to win against TikTok and Instagram Reels. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a sudden change in, in YouTube. And uh, we're all adapting to it. And I'm adapting to it. But uh, yeah, you will see me on my podcast channel. So I will be uploading shorts on my podcast channel with obviously captioned. Uh, because everybody watches shorts on their phone. You know, nobody has access to a headphone uh, or earbuds nowadays. 
So might as well caption your clips so that people can know what's what to laugh at, when to be sad at, when to be mad at. So I will be uploading clips on my shorts. I'll be uploading shorts on my YouTube podcast channel. Uh, that That's what I meant to say. All right. So that just a little bit of PSA. Um, I don't know what I'll be doing for tennis. Maybe I'll just post the recaps on my podcast channel as well. I, I, I mean, at this point, I think daily uploads on one channel is better than having scarce amount of uploads on one channel and then a scarce amount of uploads on the other channel. So I'll, I'll try and follow that blueprint. So, all right, that's it for the tennis news for today. Let's get into news in the football world. Uh, Deshaun Watson is suspended for six games after 30 assault accusations. So here's the gist, and I, I didn't get any publications sort of message from this. This is all from what I've been examining, what I've been studying. So basically, Deshaun Watson signed a hefty contract for millions and millions of dollars to be the next quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Deshaun Watson is considered a pretty good quarterback. Uh, I don't know if he's worth all that money because he's been pl- he hasn't been playing for the past year or so. But the Browns have signed him, and the Browns have decided to essentially give him this big contract. Now, during this entire ordeal, during this entire time where contracts were being given out to Deshaun Watson, there have been a lot of accusations on Deshaun Watson for getting sexual, for lack of a better word, or let me just leave it blank, but let me just say sexual improprieties. Uh, for doing a lot of sexual improprieties uh, that involve going to masseuses and whatnot and, and getting happy endings that women that were a part of these spas and whatnot were not aware of and they were not they did not want to be a part of so because of that you know Deshaun Watson has been racking up these assault accusations uh, because he just has a love for masseuses and massage parlors and whatnot so because of that, you know, a lot of people have accused him of sexual misconduct and whatnot, as they should. And Deshaun Watson has been suspended for six games by the NFL, despite having over 30 sexual assault accusations to his name. Uh, just to put some context to this, Tom Brady got four games for Deflategate. Calvin Ridley got a year for betting on his own team when he got injured. And here's the thing. When I first saw this news, I was like, Hollywood needs to hire his lawyer. They really need to hire his lawyer. Six games for sexual misconduct? I mean, do you know what James Franco wants wants more than anything else? Is his lawyer. His lawyer. He wants his lawyer. Uh, because, man, oh, man, it's only six games for, for 30 accusations? That's crazy. I mean, here's the thing, and this is what I learned about the NFL, is that the NFL, the bottom line for the NFL is their shield, is the shield. The bottom line for the NFL is the PR for the shield. And Deshaun Watson being accused of sexual misconduct accusations that did not happen when he was on the field, like actually playing on the field, to them it doesn't really matter. For them, they care about Brady, you know, deflating the footballs because it hinders the so-called integrity of the game. You know, for them, they care about Calvin Ridley, you know, betting on his own team because for them, they don't want people to think that these players bet on their own players or that these players bet on their own teams. That could ruin the integrity of the game. Deshaun Watson getting accusations does not ruin the integrity of the game. It may hurt the PR for a little while, but in terms of like the integrity of the game, in terms of their bottom line, in terms of getting more and more people invested into the product, it doesn't it doesn't hurt them. Like, it doesn't hurt them at all because they realize that the majority of people that watch the NFL are basically men. <laughs> you know, it's they're basically men. They're that are in their uh, the eighteen to thirty four demographic. And and they realize that, you know, them suspending Deshaun Watson will do little to no like like damage to them like them still allowing Deshaun Watson to play will do little to no damage in terms of their sponsors which at the end of the day make their bread and butter you know so I think this what I realize is that the NFL really doesn't care about anything besides football 
And that's kind of a sad thing to admit, but it is really, really true. At the end of the day, all they care about is the product on the field. And as long as sponsors aren't turned away by it, they'll continue doing, they'll be, they'll continue to do what they continue to do, which is having the biggest, most baddest sport in American professional sports. That's what it is. And it's, it's, kind of sad i'm not gonna lie to see Deshaun watson only get suspended for six games for 30 assault accusations i mean but at the same time we really shouldn't be surprised by it again ray rice got what two games you know like think about it a lot of people that get accused of you know you know whether it's domestic violence or sexual assault they really don't get suspended for that many games and it's quite sad but it is what it is so Deshaun Watson suspended for six games after 30 accusations. Uh, here's the thing. Just remember this the next time the NFL does their breast cancer thing. Just remember that. You know, when they have, when they make all the players wear pink, when you say the purple, when you see the pink ribbon uh, associated with the Susan G. Komen sign, which by the way, Susan G. Komen is like the biggest fraud of a, of a donation place to give. It's the biggest fraud charity I've ever seen. Like, not even a portion of that money goes to, like, breast cancer research and whatnot. Like, all that money just goes straight into their corporation to spread even more awareness of breast cancer. Like, that's all it is. Like, Susan G. Komen is a huge scam. Like, do not partake in your money with that crime of an organization. Do not invest your money into that organization. Doug Stanhope, by the way. Uh, funny comedian, love him. In my top five comedians, I would say. Um, he's sort of grown on me over the past few years, but Doug Stanhope in his 2007 special, No Refunds, sorry, 2012 special, Beer Hall Putsch, um, had this great joke where he's like, I buy the Progresso suit because I really care about breast cancer. And this is him just sort of making fun of uh, people who sort of think that buying Progresso soup or soup in general helps to save breast cancer. There's like a pink ribbon next to it. So he's like, so Doug Stan was like, yeah, I buy the Progresso soup because I really care about uh, care about spreading awareness of cancer. And seeing that pink ribbon on that soup can really makes me happy for what I'm doing. It doesn't matter if only 0.0001% goes to actual awareness and actual uh, thought of helping and, and curing cancer and like that entire bit of his and he actually incorporates the nfl into that bit as well uh is amazing you know like he actually in that bit he's like if you cure breast cancer don't you just cure cancer cancer uh, i assume you know cancer in the breast is no different than cancer uh within the lungs i mean at the end of, end of the day it's just cancer cells and dude doug stanhope is hilarious go check out doug stanhope beer hall putsch it's a great special one of my favorite specials he ever he's ever released but anyways back into this the sean watson thing um i don't know if he's even worth all this money like that's the thing he's hasn't played football in a year i don't know how successful he was for the texans but not not successful enough to warrant this amount of money like the the amount of money that this team has thrown to deshaun watson you would think he's like the second coming of Patrick Mahomes. Like you would think he's like the next Tom Brady. And like when you see this, I don't really think that he's that. I really don't think that's the case for him. So again, I don't get it. I feel like the NFL is just shooting itself in its foot. The Browns are shooting itself in its foot. Um, I don't know about Baker Mayfield. I don't know if he's still like a good quarterback. He's definitely changed his mechanics a lot. His throwing motions definitely changed. But again, I don't think this is a good thing for the NFL to do. Uh, I would say ban him for a year. But I don't think they're going to reverse their decision on him. I really don't. 30 women, not not the... I mean, he's pulling Bill Cosby numbers at this point. Like, I mean, he's probably, he wasn't accused as to be as bad as, say, Bill Cosby. You know, I, I will be quite honest there with you. Uh, he, I don't think he was accused as worse as say bill cosby but still 30 assault accusations um it's still a lot you know it's no putting quaaludes in a drink 
but it's still bad. It's still scummy behavior. I think we can all admit that. It's still scummy behavior to do that. So anyways, I think that's it for the topic on Deshaun Watson and uh, my overall thoughts on, on that news story. Again, you know, I'm not surprised because the Shield cares about the Shield. But um, yeah, I'm, I just think it's it's kind of, I'll, I'll sort of say it's not good. I'll leave it at that. All right. So let's get into our next bit of discussion here. More football news. So the Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, tried to lose games on poor poise. All right. Uh, I, I know that I said that was my last pun that I'll say, but I had to say it again because I didn't feel like I effectively said it in the beginning of the rundown. So if you guys don't know, uh, the Dolphins were accused of essentially tampering, uh, trying to get Brady uh, to sign with their team, trying to get Sean Payton to sign with their team. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, let me just read it from the official statement of, of the NFL. Um, so this is from the NFL. Uh, tampering. The investigation conclusively established violations of the anti-tampering policy on three separate occasions. The Dolphins had impermissible communications with quarterback Tom Brady in 2019-2020 while he was under contract to the New England Patriots. Those communications began as early as August 2019 and continued through the 2019 season and postseason. These numerous and detailed discussions were conducted by Mr. Beal, who in turn kept Mr. Ross and other Dolphins executives informed of his discussions with Mr. Brady. The Dolphins again had impermissible communications with both Mr. Brady and his agent during and after the 2021 season while he was under contract to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those discussions began no later than early December 2021 and focused on Mr. Brady becoming a limited partner in the Dolphins and possibly serving as a football executive. Although at times they also included the possibility of his playing for the of his playing for the Dolphins, both Messars messengers, I would say messengers Ross and Beale were active participants in these discussions. In January 2022, the Dolphins had impermissible communication with Don Yee, the agent of for New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton, who I think is also the agent for Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, about having Mr. Payton serve as Miami's head coach. Miami did not seek consent from New Orleans to have these discussions, which occur before Coach Payton announced his decision to retire as head coach of the Saints. Following that announcement, Miami requested permission to speak to Coach Payton for the first time, which New Orleans, New Orleans decided to decline to grant. All right, so those were the tampering accusations. And also, the thing is with this story, I think teams always tamper. I feel like we've known this not only in the NBA, but also with the NFL. Teams always tamper. I feel like they always message individuals that they have interest in signing and playing with and allowing them to play for their team. So tampering has always been something that is of note for these individuals. And I feel like uh, tampering is something that is quite well known and quite done early and often by teams. I'll be quite honest with you here. It's something that is is quite the norm. You know, it, it is quite the norm to see tampering happen. So I don't think that's the main reason as to why the Dolphins were stripped of a 2023 first-round pick and a 2024 third-round pick. Uh, by the way, they were also accused, and this is the more important reason as to why, I mean, not only were they accused, but they were found guilty of doing the following the more the main reason as to why they lost those that first round pick and third round pick and why I have no respect for the Dolphins is because of this. Uh, whether during the 2019 season the Dolphins intentionally lost games to improve the club's draft position in the 2020 draft, and whether Dolphins chairman and managing general partner Stephen Ross offered head coach Brian Flores financial incentives or otherwise encouraged him to lose games, the commissioner thanked the Dolphins for the cooperation provided by the club and leadership. So I feel like that's the main reason as to why they were stripped of their draft picks and why they had to come down on them. You know, teams tamper all the time. And for me, I'm a Brady guy. I, I love Brady. You know, I really do love Brady. And, you know, when I first saw about, about this, I'm like, I'm not that surprised that Brady would cooperate with the Dolphins and uh, tamper with the Dolphins because at the, at the end of the day, he was very unhappy at the end of his year 
with the New England Patriots. I mean, he lost in the wild card against the Tennessee Titans, so he just knew he was just unhappy. Um, there was also a, a game that he put, had against the Buffalo Bills early on in that season where he was he was just so down and out. I mean, he won that that game, but he was just so down and out, and it felt like he lost that game despite winning it. So, obviously, that year was tumultuous for Brady, and I knew that I, I knew. I knew that him and Sean Payton wanted to play for the Dolphins. And then the Brian Flores thing kind of leaked, and that sort of put everything in a frenzy. Uh, But I knew that Tom Brady and Sean Payton, I I knew that they were going to be head coach and quarterback for the Dolphins if they continued, if they continued to do what they continued to do. You know, I mean, Tom Brady was not happy with Bruce Arians as his head coach. It's quite well known. Um, He was, not happy about the about the recent performance that he had with the Rams, uh, that divisional playoff game, you know. So obviously, I get why he was mad, and I get why he wanted to play for the Dolphins. He wanted to stick the knife into the Patriots like they did with Caesar, and that's what he wanted to do. But unfortunately, Brian Flores, or fortunately, I would say, because I don't, I'm still a Patriots fan. Uh, fortunately, Brian Flores, you know, came out with his racial suit, and you know, obviously, them him going after Dolphin, going after the Dolphins for making him lose games. So that definitely happened, and um, yeah, overall, it, it's it's um, I I found the, I found this story to be quite interesting. I really did because I think that this has a very damaging effect on the NFL. If it's proven that Brian Ross lost games on purpose, that could really give the NFL even worse PR than, say, Deshaun Watson's 30 assault accusations. It could really be worse than that. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't think the NFL wants to let you know sports bettors and individuals that sponsor their program to let them know that this is all rigged. And I don't think that that should be the case. I don't think the NFL is a rigged product. I really don't. But when you have teams tanking on purpose, I mean, I mean, I think it's quite the norm to see teams tanking on purpose. I mean, we saw the Dolphins tank. Uh, we've seen the Colts tank back in 2011 for Andrew Luck. I wonder how that went. But um, again, we've seen a lot of teams tank. And I'll be quite honest with you. I don't think tanking is really worth it at the end of the day. I don't think the NFL is a league where tanking actually works out. Same with, I mean, same with other leagues. But I feel like a lot of leagues and a lot of teams from other sports sports franchises sort of view the NBA and say, hey, if they can tank and get a good player, why can't we tank and get a good player as well? And I don't think that's the thing to really dwell on. I, I really don't. I, I think if you're a sports franchise on in any other league besides the NBA, I feel like the best thing you can do is just be smart and tactical about who you draft and, and work your way from there and try and get the best free agents to come and sign for your team. I don't think you know tanking is, is a helpful, positive solution. I don't think it's a beneficial solution. And I think... To think or to insinuate that tanking actually helps you, I think that's a little bull. I don't think that's the case. I really don't. I think you know now teams are being more smart and being more uh, understanding and more aware of of what actually can allow winning season to occur. And I don't think it comes from you know losing games on purpose to get a 22 year old quarterback who had a good support system around him at a college and who will probably be a flash in the pan, you know, because there are a lot of quarterbacks right now that I see that I'm like, Oh, this person, I don't think he's going to be doing that well in the next few years to come. I mean, like look at Trevor Lawrence's situation at Jacksonville. I mean, obviously, you know, Jacksonville is a dumpster fire of a franchise, but I don't think we're going to see Trevor Lawrence do well in three, four years time. I really don't. I mean, he'll, I think he'll still be in the league. I think he'll still be a backup and whatnot. But I don't think he'll be as successful as we think he'll be successful as. You know, I mean, he was scheduled. And he, he was hailed as to be, like, the next quarterback. You know, he was hailed to be, like, in the same conversation as, say, 
I don't know. Like, I mean, I say, as I would say on the same footing, I say Ben Roethlisberger or like even that, I say Payne Manning. Like a lot of people were saying, hey, this could be the next Payne Manning. And I, I look at his situation in Jacksonville and obviously it's not his fault. You know, the Urban Meyer situation happened and whatnot. But I look at that situation. I look at that story. and I'm like, oh, man, this guy is not going to do well. Like, I and I hope I'm wrong, but they're just ruining Trevor Lawrence down there in the Jacksonville, you know? So, again, you know, I, I don't think losing games on purpose is a good solution. I really don't. And I think that if you are a team, I think, I think what should happen is just putting the best product out there. Now, you, you, you decide as to what product you should put out there. But just decide, you know, make the best product out there and put it out there on the field. And that's what I would do if I was a team. But to lose games on purpose, I, I don't think that's good. I mean, you just, you just turn into Pete Rose and nobody wants to be Pete Rose. Nobody want, in their right mind wants to be Pete Rose. So that's sort of what my overall thought process is on the Dolphins trying to lose games on per poise, poor poise. I love puns. What can I say? I love shitty comedy. I really do like shitty comedy. Uh, I love all forms of shitty comedy. Um, I'm a guy that, you know, has a sense of humor that, you know, is quite childish and quite playful. You know, I'm I'm not going to lie. I do have a knack for comedy that is, uh, dare I say, not of intellectual wit, you know. I can say that. I can say that. I was never a big fan of George Carlin or Bill Hicks. Uh, they were a little bit before my time. Um, not even like Richard Pryor. Not because I didn't find them funny or whatnot. It's just because I, the jokes didn't really age well. Like I, I didn't really get some of the references that he said. Um, the overall joke structure I see in today's world quite often. But for me, I didn't really get the references. I, or I really didn't get like what he was trying to go for. And I'm just a, I'm a young person, so obviously my comedy will be skewed. Don't get me wrong, I still love, I love I still love the Stan Hopes, I still love the Burrs and Louis and Norm Macdonalds, um, but Richard Pryor, Bill Hicks, Carlin, they're a little bit before my time. So I like shitty comedy. I really do like shitty comedy. And uh, speaking of shitty comedy, uh, speaking of shitty comedy, Dan Cook has been in the news recently. Uh, by the way, I love Dan Cook. Dan Cook is an amazing guy. It's all uh, it's all jokes, all jokes. I say that to anybody who might do something to this video. I don't know. Uh, put it for blackmail, give it to Russia. I don't know. Uh, but Dan Cook has proposed to his longtime girlfriend, uh, Kelsey Taylor, 23 years of age. This is from page six. So Dan Cook, 50, engaged to longtime love Kelsey Taylor, 23 years old. Apparently, uh, Kelsey Taylor is not only the same age as I am, I'm 23 as well, but we were born in the same year. So she was born October 26, 1998. I was born October 26, 1998. Um, if Dan Cook decided to marry me, I would say no. Um, let me just say that right off the bat. I mean, not only because am I not gay, I mean, nothing wrong with being gay, but it would be weird. I'm not going to lie. A person that's 27 years my senior, kind of weird. For a person of that age to marry me and, and think that I would be like a partner for the long run, it, it's kind of weird to see that. Uh, but anyways, let's get into page six. Uh, page six's headline about this and uh, see what happens. So Dan Cook and his longtime girlfriend Kelsey Taylor are engaged. The stand-up comedian proposed on Wednesday, July 13th, after five years of dating. Uh, I was so ready to ask her. I was completely zen about it. Cook 50 told People. The evening of the proposal was incredibly beautiful. The weather was perfect. Sunset was spectacular. And I was just quite simply very happy. He added of the milestone moment, I was asking my best friend, the woman who I've shared some of the greatest times of my life with, to, to marry me uh, so we st can start the next chapter of our lives together. I was also thinking of, of how absolutely stunning she looked. Uh, the fitness instructor 23 told the publication she was shocked when she cooked, took a box out of his pocket. I was also just really focused on what he was saying to me because I was trying desperately to etch the words into my brain. She recalled, they were so beautiful. I really wanted to soak it in. All right, so it would continue to say, the employee of the month star, good movie. Uh, still stand behind that movie. Still stand behind that movie. Uh, got down on one knee 
in York Beach, Maine, which held a special place in their hearts as it was one of the first places they traveled to when they first began dating. All right, so that's a very New England uh, thing to do is to propose on York Beach, Maine. All right, so here's the thing. So I taught, so I saw Twitter drag Dane Cook for essentially marrying a woman that's 27 years younger than him, who he met when he was for when he was eight when she was 18. Uh, so yeah, it, I'll be honest with you, it's quite creepy. It, it's quite weird to see a, a person who was 45 years old see an 18 year old woman and be like, five years down the road, I'll marry that woman. Kind of weird, kind of creepy. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's legal. It's legal to do that. Uh, but it, I do find it a little creepy for that to be the case. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if they met when they were when she was 18. They could. Uh, all the information that I know from now is that they, were, they started dating at 18, and then five years later, they got married. Uh, I don't know anything else besides that. So if... If that's the case, then I can't really be against it because technically they're still following the law. But it is kind of creepy. I think we can all admit that this is kind of creepy. That this, I feel like Dane Cook should be dating somebody that's within his age range or that's somebody that is in, in their teens, I would say. Like, I think it, it's kind of, honestly, like, I'm fine with age gaps in relationships. I get it. I understand why that's the case. You know, if you're, in your 30s and 40s, you know, I feel like dating somebody in their mid mid 20s, I would say early to mid 20s. I'm not really against it. I, I'm not really against it. I do find it kind of weird when I see like an 18 year old person date like a 30 or 40 year old. I'm like, that's kind of weird. If you're dating a teenager in, in your 30s and 40s, I, I side eye you. Uh, but here's the thing is that like, I, I think Dane Cook, and then personally, I like Dane Cook. I, I do like Dane Cook. You know, I here's the thing. I like Louis C.K. I can also like Dane Cook. I like Bill Burr. I can also like Dane Cook. You know, not everything has to be binary. Not everything has to be, you know, if you like one thing, you got to hate the other thing. You know, I like Doug Stanhill, but I also enjoy, you know, the occasional special made by, you know, Nate Bargatze. You know, I can enjoy both these two things. You know, for me, I really enjoy comedy and all forms of comedy. So... When I see this story, I, for one, am not surprised by it. I, I'm going to be quite honest here. I'm going to be quite honest here. I'm not surprised by it because who in their right mind, what serious woman out there who has her life together, who has a job, who has her own place, who has ambition and has drive would date Dane Cook? Think about it. I mean, let's let's be honest here. I mean... Honestly, let's be honest here, you know, because at the end of the day, like Dane Cook's comedy was always for younger people. Now, I'm not saying that as an excuse or as a way to justify him dating 18 year old woman. I'm not saying that. Uh, don't take that in that way. I'm just saying that his comedy was always for the younger people. Now, do I think it's good for him to date an 18-year-old woman? No. I mean, it's it's weird. And for him to marry her five years later, it's kind of weird. I'm not going to lie. It's, I don't really get it. But at the same time, based off the information that I have, I, while, I am against, while I am morally against it, legally, he's still following the books. He's still following the law. And in terms of comedians, what he did is... is for male comedians, it's not that bad. The bar is so low for like male comics and like their sort of like attitude towards, I don't know, women. Where it's like where I where I see this, I'm like, oh, Dan Cook is following the law. You know, he's no Crystalia. You know, he's no Bill Cosby. I mean, look at. I mean, do your research on Crystalia. I've talked about it on my podcast. But when I when I first heard about it, I'm like, oh yeah, this person, he's not gonna. He's not going to succeed. I mean, he's not going to survive. He's still, he'll still succeed, don't get me wrong, but he's not going to survive. This is, this is bad. This is really, really bad. So when I, heard, when I heard about the Dane Cook thing, I'm like, in terms of male comics, this is low on the threshold and low on the spectrum of shitty things that male comedians have done uh, in terms of what they've done to women. You know, like, this is quite low on the spectrum. Uh, so anyways, 
that's what I kind of wanted to get at. You know, if if they met and if they're both happy, then so be it. And I feel like a lot of people on Twitter are sort of putting their two cents in. And I don't feel like anybody's asking Kelsey her thoughts on this, right? I mean, she just got proposed. She said yes. She consented. So I feel like a lot of people are shitting on Dane Cook. And I understand why. I understand why they're fully in their right to shit on Dane Cook for doing this. But I I don't feel like enough people are asking Kelsey Taylor, hey, how do you feel about this? You know, are you completely fine with him seeing you at 18 years old and then five years later proposing to you? Do you think, you know, marrying a person that's 27 years your senior is something that you really want to do in your life? You really couldn't find somebody your own age that you had a connection with? Like, that's the questions that I would be asking to Kelsey Taylor instead of asking and shitting on Dane Cook on Twitter. Don't get me wrong, it's it's hilarious to see Dane Cook tweets. I'm not going to lie, I cracked up on a few of them. But I do think it's... Um, I do think that those questions should be asked than, than say, just you tweeting out into the ether about Dane Cook. So that's sort of what I wanted to, uh, you know, get my hands on in, in terms of this discussion. Uh, not sexually, just like actually just like conversationally about this topic. Yeah, I mean, I like Dane Cook. I like Dane Cook. I mean, not only is he a Massachusetts native, not only did he grow up in Arlington, Massachusetts, but I liked his style. Like, as a kid, when I first heard the BK Lounge, I thought it was the most hysterical thing ever. When I heard him talk about how the bathrooms were wet, I, I was dying, you know? I liked Dane Cook when I was younger. I liked Harmful If Swallowed. I enjoyed uh, Retaliation, the album that, you know, was up there with Green Day and Jay-Z, you know? Look at the Billboard Hot 200. His album Retaliation was amongst those individuals in 2003, 2004. I mean, he was the man. I mean, Rough Around the Edges is still a great special. Vicious Circle, the the special that he filmed at TD Garden, is still one of the best specials to watch in terms of being in that moment. Like, not in terms of funny, but in terms of being in that atmosphere of, hey, this is a stadium that a comedian sold out through MySpace and through having a Comedy Central half hour that was just on repeat after repeat after repeat. You know, this is a man that was able to build an empire just off of social media and paved the way for comedians such as Russell Peters, Angela Johnson, and Andrew Schultz. I mean, I have a lot of respect for Dane Cook. I really do. And I feel like a lot of people shit on Dane Cook for understandable reasons. Understandable reasons. I'm not going to lie. The reasons are I quite very much know and understand why people will shit on Dane Cook. But I, I feel like he it, he really innovated a lot. He really innovated a lot for comedy and for social media and for bridging the gap between stand-up comedy to social media. And, you know, you saw other individuals sort of take it in stride as well. I mean, you saw Louis put his special on his website for, you know, for money, for a little bit of money. You saw Joe Rogan and Doug Stanhope, you know, really create their own websites. And I'm not saying that it's because of Dane Cook that they created it, but you saw an influx of comedians back in the 2000s that really utilized the internet to their advantage. And you have to credit Dane Cook for that. You really do have to credit Dane Cook. Uh, so I, I know he's been a punching bag, you know, and I know it's easy to shit on him. And I know... It's very easy to do that these past few days. Very, very easy to do that. But again, I feel like if I had to be devil's advocate here, I would say, listen, ask Kelsey Taylor as to how she feels about this because that's the only person that's really affected by this engagement is Kelsey Taylor. you know, And also Dan Cook because he proposed. But when I saw Twitter you know, light Dan Cook on fire, I'm like, I'll, I'll read the tweets and whatnot because... Whenever comedy's in the news, I always like to hear about it and, and not necessarily partake in it, but just hear about it and know that comedy still has an overlap towards pop culture. And that's sort of what I, what I wanted to get out of here. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of creepy. It's kind of weird. Um, I, I think Dane Cook, if anything, should have dated like a woman that's in her early 20s mid-20s i mean i think that'd be a little bit more permissible i mean i, th- I still think you know 
Twitter lights you up on an age gap, which is weird. I mean, the fact that Twitter lights people on age gap relationship is, is like so weird. Like they'll light a 27 year old for dating a 22 year old. I'm like, why? It's a, it's a five year age gap. Like, why are you going after this dude for, for dating somebody that's five years younger than him? Like how, like, I don't get it. Like, I, I don't get it. Like when, whenever I see like, you know, Twitter go after Leonardo DiCaprio for dating, you know, young 20 year old women it's like he's leo dicaprio like what do you expect him to do like date you know a, a scientist date amal clooney like date somebody like that and i know it's leo it's leonardo dicaprio you know his stick by now it's like why are you so surprised that he like there's an age gap like well I, I don't know i don't get women on twitter like maybe it's because they fear their own mortality maybe when they see a man dating somebody that's very much that's dating somebody that's younger, very much younger than them, then maybe it's a reckoning on their own mortality, and it's a reckoning on their understanding that they could die at any moment. Maybe it's their fear of of life losing them at their grips. But again, I whenever I see that, it's it's quite weird. But anyways. Um, I want to end it by saying this. Yes, it is weird. It is kind of creepy to see him date an 18-year-old woman and then marry him, marry her five years later. Kind of creepy. But at the same time, it's still technically legal. You know, so... I don't know. I don't know. I still like Dan Cook as a comedian, um, and I still like him uh, for, for what he's done for comedy in, in general. So I feel, I feel like that's where I'll leave it off at that. I don't know how I'm going to make a YouTube short for that. I really don't. There's going to be a lot of edits. Um, but anyways, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I think that's all the time that I have for today. So guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, and click the bell icon for notifications down below. Make sure you subscribe to both my podcast channel, my podcast clips channel, eh, podcast clips channel, whatever. If you want to subscribe to that, by all means, go check it out. Uh, make sure you leave a comment on down below on any of these topics any questions comments concerns on dane cook marrying his 18 year old girlfriend or marrying his 23 year old girlfriend that he met at 18 or the 18 year old girlfriend that might be weird that's a little bit of an elvis situation there uh but if, whether it's dane cook whether it's the dolphins owner stephen ross whether it's deshaun watson whether it's nick curios any of your questions, comments, or concerns, leave them down below. I'll do my best to respond to each and every one of them. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram at AJ Tucker, A-J-A-Y-T-H-A-K-K-A-R, underscore the end. I'm also on TikTok, so add the same username, A-J-A-Y-T-H-A-K-K-A-R, underscore the end, with an at sign before my name. So go check that out on my TikTok. Uh, make sure you rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're able to do that on Spotify, that'd be great as well. I don't know if Spotify has that app or that feature to do that, but if it does, go check it out. Go rate and review. And last but not least, make sure you spread the word through your text chains and through WhatsApp. I feel like it's very, very important to create a community here, to hear out each and every one of us, to hear out one another, to be able to have an open and honest dialogue on anything, if not everything. And to be able to do that, is a is something that we should all be focused on and sort of should be i wouldn't say focused on that's wrong choice of words there but it's something that we should all sort of spend time on you know it's something that we should all be a part of you know being able to be open and honest with one one another with ourselves and hearing our, our most honest opinions on life is something that is something that i really want to strive for on this podcast uh, I know I, I just ended on a cringe note, but that's what I truly believe in. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Avoid the bookings. Enjoy the City Open final and other tennis tournament finals that may be happening at the same time. All right, guys. Peace. See you all.